up world. To pass first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond, listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. We're pushing up towards 1,200 subscribers, maybe over 1,200 subscribers by the time you listen to this. But uh, we want to get to 2,000. We want, we're want we dreaming big here at Lockdown Blazers, and we cannot get there. I cannot get there without your help. So if, you haven't, if you're listening to the show right now and you haven't subscribed, smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Blazers. You will find us waiting there for you. Today's episode is also a... a True edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show answering listener submitted questions all episode long. I record on Monday nights and post it on Tuesdays. Um, we haven't had a true Mailbag Monday in a while. We've had a lot of special delivery mailbags. We do a mailbag segment every week, but it used to be on Mondays. Uh, we've just had to move it around because of uh, Blazer news and Blazer games, etc., etc. But we've got a real one tonight, and we and if you want to get involved in a future one, here's how you do it: you just tweet at me at Mike G Rich on Twitter. Send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. Tag it as Mailbag in some way so I know that it's for the show, and I will save it in my handy dandy Word doc and I try to get to it as best I can. Or you can watch my Twitter feed at Mike G Rich, and I will send out a tweet day of uh, soliciting questions. You respond to that, and I'll do my best to get you in a show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me, lockedonblazerpod at gmail.com. Is the address that's lockedonblazerpod at gmail.com. Like I said, we do this every week. It's a ton of fun. Those are the two ways to get involved. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears, so let's get into it. The first question comes from Mr. Jackpots at boy underscore Fieri underscore who asks, if Neil Olshay gets fired, what do you, who, do you expect take, who do you expect to take his place? Also, what would be the first big move you expect them to make after taking over? Noah from Gmail kind of asks the same thing. Um, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what what's going on with Neil Olshay, um, weird <laughs> but also uh, I did a whole opening segment he's under investigation for a toxic workplace environment fostered under his his direction while the the president of basketball operation for the trailblazers um, there's 15 plus minutes about it in yesterday's show you can go kind of listen to the stage the stage setter kind of the scene setter for for, for where we're at uh, go listen to that but yeah it, it, so the investigations are ongoing uh, Yahoo Sports is Chris Haynes reports that they were expecting to kind of wrap up this week but it sounds like they're going to expand the scope and, and talk to um, current and former staffers and kind of um, just get in general, just get more details on sort of what's up um, with with this sort of Neil Olshay reign in Portland. So um, a resolution that was expected to take days might take, um, you know, could could linger into the rest of this week and beyond. Um, it, I, I don't totally understand the timeline. It seems like um, Seems like if you wanted, depending on what you want the outcome to be, seems like you could figure it out pretty quickly. But nonetheless, um, you know, the the two people that would be likely to step in charge would be Billy Branch or Steve uh, uh, Steve Rosenberry. I think um, I think will be Bill Branch. I think it'll be Billy Branch uh, if they just go like interim GM. Those are the sort of those are those are one A and one B sort of right behind Neil. Um, or 2A and 2B, however you want to call it. So I, one of those would be the, your interim GM. Uh, you would assume that it wouldn't be like a clear house type of situation, that it would be like, you know, you Neil is removed, you name an interim GM, and then you sort of moved into the future looking for either promote the interim GM or hire from outside. So I think that's that's how it would work, is, is, is Bill Branch or, or Steve Rosenberry would be, would be the sort of two names to know. Um, 
like James and Beaverton ask the ask who I would want to replace Neil O'Shea. And I think that kind of plays into this question asked by Mr. Jackpots and Noah is like the first big move type of thing. I, I the, the thing that I would want is a is someone willing to make big structural changes to this roster. Um, it's not that I don't think CJ McCollum is good. I think he's really good. I just don't think you can have, I think it's untenable to have him as your second best player alongside Damian Lord and, and like seriously compete for a championship. So I'd want someone who would be willing to come in without the sort of um, emotional or prideful ties to drafting CJ McCollum in 2013 and, 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 and swing, take that big swing knowing that you might strike out. Um, it could make the Blazers a lot worse to make that trade, but I'd want someone in there willing to do that. Um, and as far as like type of GM, I don't know. I, I want someone qualified. Qualified and maybe like someone who would who would agree to be on the podcast. Those are those are the two people that that I want. Um, a couple other Neil Olshay questions here in the first segment. It is a Neil Olshay, all Neil Olshay to lead off the today's mailbag show because. Frankly, that's the news of the day. That's why people are asking about it. Tom Cogswell at Thomas Cogswell on Twitter asks, this is more of a journalism question, but what are your thoughts on the segment of fan base demanding that reporters comment, give their opinion for strictly report on the Olshay investigation? I don't know. I don't... Um, I think a lot of people saying the care to comment is like um, people who you kind of already know their feelings or you or you or you suppose you think that you know their feelings and you kind of want to catch them in the gotcha or you want to point out that they haven't commented and on on specifically I'm talking about Twitter like and say like look they're being quiet on this big thing let's let's like look at this I've noticed that they're less righteous than me um in general if you cover the team you should weigh in on it pretty um in one way or another but that doesn't mean that you have to like lay out a big opinion if you report um if you if you report clearly and with um you know, a, a way you should do journalism, um, hearing from uh, the parties that need to be heard from and, and, and the perspe- sharing the perspectives that need to be shared. I don't want to say both sides because like you do not need to both sides every issue. That's a, that's like a poison of journalism. But sharing perspectives that need to be shared and putting them in context, you do not need to share an opinion. I, I don't believe that's true. Um, I host a podcast. It, this is an opinion-based place. I try to not be wildly hot takey, but I tell y'all how I feel. I try to be honest with my feelings and I try to be honest when I'm not going to share things that, um, that, that I don't feel comfortable with. Like I, I'm not going to share my personal Neil Olshay anecdotes. It's, it, there's no value in me saying, yeah, this guy who's rude was rude to me once. Here's a time, here's a time that it happened. Who cares? He, you've seen him in public. You get it. Um, but, uh, but I've shared my opinion. Like it's, you can go back and listen to the show sort of and, and uh, yesterday's show in your feed immediately after this to find out where I sort of stand on this. Um, I, you don't need an investigation to find out, to, to know if Neil Olshea has been a jerk. You can just watch his press conferences over the last 10 years and say, oh yeah, this guy might be a jerk. It's It, it follows that um, the thing that he does always in a public space could also happen in private spaces, you know? Next question comes from Jack at Jack Parshall on Twitter, who asks, if Neil Olshay isn't fired, how can any of us with a good conscience support the franchise? Qualifier, I will still support the players and the employees of the organization. Uh, I don't know. I don't, quite frankly, I don't think being, um, I don't think being an a-hole is like on par with 
um, like anything that's happening in Phoenix with Robert Sarver, like, you know, alleged racism and misogyny, like cussing people out is maybe a bad way to be a boss and maybe something you should get fired over. But it's not this sort of like despicable pockmark on the Blazers. And quite frankly, like I said, Neil has been kind of a jerk in public spaces. If you needed an investigation to say that he's been a jerk in private spaces to make you feel like disgusted with the franchise, I don't know what you're looking for. He's, I think it's, I think it's like, I think there's a plenty of clear and obvious examples of him being prickly and rude and having a temper in public spaceage such that the idea that you would be need this investigation to like uncover something that is like um, so abhorrent or whatever. Like if it does uncover things that are abhorrent, I will be the first person to say those, you know, that, that those things are bad and we should... Um, well, it won't be the first because I'll be reading the report, but like, I I will call it what it is. But like, I don't think being a jerk is this like terrible black mark on the franchise. The reason the boys are investigating him is to find cause so they don't have to pay the rest of his paycheck. It's, it isn't that tricky. Uh, there's no, no one is pulling a fast one on you. And I, and I think it's okay. I, I really think it's okay that um, if you didn't like Neil before, you shouldn't like him now. If you did like Neil before and you're just stunned that he's a jerk, I don't think you were paying attention. And I also think it's okay if you think like um, guy who acts like a a hole to his employees is like, is, is just the way it works. Like, I think you're wrong, but like, you're entitled to think that bosses can be rude. Um, (laughs) If you have a bad boss though, don't like, you don't have to accept that. I've got bosses in in a variety of jobs that I have and they're nice people. I enjoy them. So um, that's not just me pandering because they might listen like for real. Um, it's like working, working jobs where you don't hate your bosses. That's, that would be my advice. Um, if you think that it's okay for your boss to be an a-hole next question comes from Stevie's mom at Stevie's mom one on Twitter who asks, could you give an overview of the front office and the Vulcans who are in the top positions and what, what, what they do for the team in general, who makes the GM hiring decisions? So Stevie's mom, I answered the sort of for the Blazers, it's going to be Steve Rosenberry or Bill Branch are kind of are the next in command for the Blazers front office behind Neil Olshay in terms of um, decision making and people who have, you know, are, are right, who are along with Neil um, in terms of making player personnel decisions and scouting and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, that they would be the people who would take if there's an interim position that that it, if Neil were to be removed, those those are the two names that you should know who would be who would be promoted to the to the interim president of basketball operations or interim general manager or whatever they end up calling it. Um, at Vulcan, quite frankly, I don't understand the Vulcan setup. I know Burt Cold is going to be the number one decision maker when it comes to the Trailblazers. Uh, he's he's the chairman of of sort of that part of the world in Vulcan. He was at the game with um, with Jody Allen, the Blazers owner, on. Uh, on whenever that was Friday night, Saturday night against the Lakers. Um, he was, he was, so he'll be there. He'll be the number one. He'll be the guy making the decision along with Jody. I would guess that Bert has probably has more say than Jody in terms of, um, connection. Uh, Jody probably has the final say, but it's Bert's opinion that will color most of the hiring. I was, was I, how I assume that goes down from my, uh, sort of perception of the hierarchy, but like in terms of what the hell else goes on at Vulcan, I don't know. <laughs> I've really never had contact with those people, um, except for one time. And I'm not going to share that story right now. All right. In the second segment, let's come back and answer more of your questions on this. Yes. Most glorious mailbag Monday. But first, let me tell you about true bill. Look, if you're like me, you subscribe to a whole bunch of stuff. And sometimes those subscriptions can kind of slip through the cracks and you, oh no, I've been, I've been subscribed to this service for two and a half months and they've stolen, slowly stolen $14 from me. So, uh, this is true bill is the solution 
for your subscription woes. If you got a lot of subscriptions, you might need Truebill. It's the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Uh, I had a subscription to ESPN Insider that I did not know how I was paying for. I had it for like a year and a half paying um, however much money that was. Um, This is the type of thing that Truebill can help you avoid. So you're not just giving ESPN uh, your money so you can read a couple. I love Kevin Pelton, but a couple Kevin Pelton stories a month probably wasn't worth what I was paying. Listen, Truebill has over 2 million users. It's helped them save over $100 million. So don't forget, don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. They've got the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They're offering more props than any other DFS operator. And they're offering not just superstar players, but but the uh, you know, the role players, the, the Greg Browns of the world, the Norman Powell's of the world. You're not just betting on LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. You are you are heading down the bench and betting on Nazir Little and Cody Allen. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. So you can win up to 10 times on each entry. And look, it's just you versus projected numbers. You're just picking an over-under. It can be an over-under on anything. Three-point field goals, points, steals, turnovers, you name it, whatever it is, you will find it there. And you're not going against pros or a whole bunch or like a giant field. You're, you're just straight up over-under. You pick it. You win the money. And then you get paid out quick. So... You can make these entries less than 60 seconds, and Price Picks has, is safe and has fast withdrawals. You get your money fast, and they're giving you some money to get started. If you go right now to their award-winning app that's available on the App Store and also on Google Play, or to their website, pricepicks.com, enter that promo code NBA, and you'll receive a 100% instant match on your deposit up to $100. You put in $100 on pricepicks.com, you have $200 to work with. So don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com. Use that promo code NBA, or go to your App Store and download the app today. That's Price Picks Daily Fantasy Made easy. They think you'll love it. I bet you will too. All right. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag Monday. We answered a bunch of Neil Olshay questions. Now we're going to change gears a little bit. Our next question comes from Brandon Goldner at GoldnerPDX on Twitter who asks, is Nas Little a postseason rotation player for a good playoff team? If he's not yet, do you think he can be there this season? I mean, yes and yes. Um, yeah, I think Nas, um, while not an elite defender, certainly a competitive one. Um, he's a really, really good rebounder, and he's shooting close to 38% from three. That's that's good money for an end of the for for a guy of his size and his athletic build. Like, um, you know, they asked him to guard Russell Westbrook, who had like a horrific game, but like that's you you see kind of the level of assignment he's getting. Um He's he's being tasked with guarding, you know, really high quality ball handlers. That's that's who the Blazers ask him to guard. Um, and he brings energy. He's some of his decision making still a little bit wonky, but he's a really smart rebounder. Um, 
I'll, I'll save it for end of the week. But Jason Quick told me an, a good, a really fun anecdote about um, Chauncey Billups talking about uh, Nazir Little's rebounding. And suffice to say, Nas is a good rebounder and everybody's noticed it. Um, he's he, You've noticed it. I've noticed it. Chauncey's noticed it. Jason Quick's noticed it. Like, <laughs> it's all of us. All, all of us. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think if like, Depends on sort of how deep you get into the playoffs. Maybe not on like a, is he like top seven on a championship team? Maybe not right now. Sure. Maybe not right now. Um, But is he top, is he a top eight guy on, on a team that makes the Western Conference finals? Yeah. I think Nas can be, I think he can be a contributor off the bench because if he contributes in hustle, he contributes in the hustle categories and um, he's, he's a good enough shooter that you can't, um, you know, you, you can't get rid of him. And, and just his length and his athleticism is, uh, is, has real value. People Nas's size play a long time in the league. And if he can shoot, he's going to play a really long time at a high level. Um, he looks like about, he looks like a player. The test for Nas was to become an NBA player. He's really looking like one early in the season, even with the warts in his game. He's still usually a positive when he's out on the court. Next question comes from BlazerFan420 at Trailblazin503, who asks, do you think we will ever see a lineup consisting of Dame, CJ, Rocco, Nance, and Nurk just to see what a normal size lineup looks like? Man, BlazerFan420, sheesh, I hope so. It's the lineup I've wanted to see all year. Dame, CJ, a normal size small forward in, in Robert Covington, a normal size power forward in, in uh, Larry Nance, and a, and a traditional center in Yusuf Nurkic, and, and just like roll out length on the wings. Uh how can I say? Chauncey Billups has flirted with um, having larger wings. He's gone to Nas and Tony Snell lineups to have larger wings. He, we briefly saw the Nas and Rocco uh, with Larry Nance at center lineups to have larger wings. Like we've seen it last week. We were starting to sort of trend in that direction where it's like actual size on the wing. Uh, and, and there's and there's moments in the first sub, I should we should point this out, when Nazir Little comes in and it's Nazir... Uh, Nazir, Rocco, and and uh, Yusuf Nurkic, like it, that's we see that every game for a, for a brief period, right? Um, when Nas comes in as as typically the first sub, when he's it hasn't always shaken out that way, but typically he's been like that, and you get like a minute and a half before uh, before Anthony Simons uh, and checks into the game along with uh, along with the others. So like, I hope that's the lineup I want to see: D- Dame, CJ, Rocco, Nance, and Nurk. I don't quite know why we've gotten there. I think it's because um, they need Rocco to play so many minutes at the four that they're kind of um, they 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 sub him with Larry and don't bring him in together. But I I'm surprised we haven't seen that. I think that could be potentially putting the Blazers' most effective five man grouping out there. And I'd like to see it. I'm with you, 420 Blazer fan. Excuse me, Blazer fan, 420. Next question comes from. Sir Wheezy at Wheezy Sir on Twitter who asks Nurk gets a lot of criticism for his lack of finishing, but how good has he, how good has he been on defense? I believe the advanced numbers indicate that he has been an elite defensive big man early in the season. What say you? Yeah, according to 538.com, he has the number one defensive Raptor rating in the league as I'm recording this on November 8th. Um, that could change. Uh, there, the, there's a bunch of games tonight, literally happening happening right now. Um, so th- that will might be not the case by the time you are listening to this. But you know, heading into tonight's record, that was the case. Um, I think I've been on the record, and I should say it again as a caveat that I'm I'm not a huge fan of like single catch all defensive metrics, and I, I'm specifically not a big fan of of Raptors uh, defensive metric. It's fine, and I think it gives you a good sense of like this guy's good. But the idea that like Nurk has the has the top defensive rating on the Raptors metric on 538.com's um sort of like defensive defensive rating thing you know single 
single stat defensive rating um gives you a sense that he's been a good defensive player but it's like has he been the best is he like defensive player of the year he's the best defensive player in the league no um in general, I think Nurk has always kind of held a baseline of competent defense. He's big and he moves his feet well, but I think you see it. There are nights when Nurk is not good defensively. He's covering for guys who are really struggling um, it, uh, based on those like similar defensive metrics. Uh, Damian Lord, CJ McCollum, and Amphrey Simons all grayed out very poorly. Um, so it's, you know, I think you know it when you see it on defense a little bit more than the numbers catch it. But um, yeah, I think Nurk's been good. And I think in general, like his his steals are way up. His deflections are way up. Um, you know, is the part of his game that I'm most disappointed in is his passing is way down. Like his assist numbers are way down. Um, but some of that is just Damian Lillard shooting bricks. But yeah, I think Nurk has been a good defensive force. Um, and uh, I, I, I think, you know... It, he, he doesn't always bring it consistently and, and, and he's fouling a lot less, which is a huge thing for him. And there's been nights where he's, you know, getting absolutely roasted by Jared Allen. And you're like, wow, he cannot guard him. And you see it, you see it. So like, don't, you don't need the numbers to, to always to help you. But I think they, they point in a direction to say Nurk has been good. Um, you know, the Blazers have been, they've improved on defense this year, even though they've had some serious lapses. How about this? Let's watch Nurk super closely this week because um, he's going to play a Clippers team with Zubac and Serge Ibaka's back and Isaiah Hartenstein, who are who are bigs who are going to give him um, some trouble. Then he's going to play a Suns team without, very likely without DeAndre Ayton. That's going to be um, Frank Kaminsky. He should roll in that matchup. Um, on Friday, you're going to get Christian Wood and maybe Daniel Tice if he's healthy. And then on Sunday, Nikola Jokic. So you're getting the whole, you're sort of getting the whole gambit, right? Like, um, or gamut rather. You're getting kind of like mid-level starters with the Clippers. Um, you're getting a true backup he should dominate in, in Phoenix. You're getting an underrated but solid player. And if you get Tice and Christian Wood, who um, is not physically imposing but can really score for the Rockets. And then you're getting the league MVP. Like, let's let's give Nurk, um, let's, let's see him sort of play when he needs to dominate dominate defensively when he when he gets a really tough matchup like he will on sunday at the end of a trip see if you can hold i don't know you can't really hold Jokic down but to see if you can make life a little bit difficult on him and then we'll kind of revisit it because i think he's been good in general um but i don't think he's like you know all defensive team type of type of performance uh i think defense is better understood as like a collective team and nurk has nurk covers up well for guys with defensive deficiencies for sure next question is from an anonymous question asker i believe our first ever anonymous question asker who asks i know cj and his wife have a lot going on here in portland outside of basketball but how come we've never talked about cj potentially requesting a trade it's rare for any small market team to keep a player of his caliber for as long as we have under what circumstances do you think he would ever ask out he won't. It's not who demands a trade in the league. It's not A minuses or B pluses or whatever you think CJ is. It's it's stars. It's franchise level stars or it's guys on bad teams, um, like Eric Bledsoe on a bad Phoenix team. So CJ McCollum is neither a A list star. Um, if you don't think Ben Simmons is that, you should check the resume. He certainly has an A list resume. Um, like it, it's guys. A-list guys on good teams ask out. They force their way to markets where they want to go. And guys on on crap teams can can kind of make demands, right? They can say, trade me. I want to get out of here. But people who aren't frontline guys, multi-time all-stars, um, just aren't asking for trades. They keep giving CJ McCollum $100 million contracts. Uh, this is the place he wants to be. So they'll keep giving him $100 million contracts. Um, there just aren't... 
This is not the scenario in terms of team success or quality of player that C- of, from CJ McCollum that he would be someone who demands a trade. Could he be unhappy and want a different role somewhere? Sure. Um, could he say, if they trade Dame, go ahead and trade me too because let's tear this thing down? Sure. But I think it's more likely that he'd want to, you know, uh, he knows he can play, and but um, he's probably not viewed as a guy who's like a franchise leader. And if you're not that, if you're going to go be someone else's second fiddle, you might as well be second fiddle somewhere where you're comfortable and they keep giving you big old paychecks. Uh, it's This is not something that's in danger nor something that would be common in the league. Uh, it's It ain't how it works. All right, let's come back in the final segment and answer more of your questions with Glorious Mailbag Monday about first... Let's talk about rockauto.com, the family business that's been helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You can save time. You can save money if you shop Rock Auto. Listen, if you're someone who works in your car, you know how it goes. If you go to a a chain auto parts store, um, of which there are many that you are familiar with, they are limited by what they can carry in in their store, and they're also limited by being a big chain auto parts store. They can't they can't have everything you need, and they got to charge you more. And if you go to the car dealership, they're, you're always just going to pay a premium. So Rock Auto skirts those two problems and offers you a chance to save 30, 50, even 100% on the same parts. And they've got everything you need on their easy-to-use, easy-to-navigate website. So why don't you head over to rockauto.com right now and find the solution for your car or truck. And while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, still listening to Locked on Lasers. Let's keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. Our next question comes from Mark, who asks, A week ago, complaining against the new rules against fake shooters kicking out Fake shooters kick out or fake contact creation fouls. Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks suggested that Damian Lord is part of that club. He also suggested that was a reason behind Dame's poor start. Is it right to put Dame in the Young, uh, James Harden, Chris Paul floppers club? Uh, no, Dame's not a flopper, but he's certainly a foul hunter. Um, certainly a foul hunter. He's good at it. He was really good at it. Like, it's a skill. It's a skill to hunt fouls. If everyone could do it, they would. If CJ McCollum was good at hunting fouls, he'd be a different basketball player. He's not good at it. Um, It takes explosiveness. It takes strength. It takes some savvy. It takes willing to be a bit of a grifter and sort of, um, you know, sell yourself to say, I'm going to just go for it. But Dame jumping into defenders or, or getting a guy's hand on, like reaching around a screen coming off for a pull-up and just launching an ugly one he didn't want to shoot just to draw a foul is a very common move for Damian Lillard. I'm surprised... Um, he doesn't have the perception of being like a Chris Paul, James Harden thing. Cause he's not like a flopper and he doesn't do the, like hook your arm, James Harden thing. And he's not like operating in the, in the margins as aggressively as Chris Paul is in terms of like what is and is not legal. But Dame is a foul hunter, foe, show, killer. Like no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He belongs, he certainly belongs in the conversation of people that benefit from drawing three point fouls. Um, 
And his he's according to Clean Glass, his his just him drawing shooting fouls is way 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 down this year. Some of that I think is the league is overcorrected overcorrected in terms of like driving to the rim. They're they're not calling fouls that are fouls. Uh, better for the game to have less free throws, uh, but it's certainly an adjustment that players have to make. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm surprised people don't um, consider, or I'm surprised at least Mark doesn't consider uh, Dame someone who hunts fouls. I think that's like a really standard part of his game. I see it as I see it as a very normal part of Dame Lillard's game. Next question comes from Cody Stensrud at Prep Hoops Cody. I might have screwed that one up. Stensrud? Stensrud? At Prep Hoops Cody on Twitter, uh, who asks, Well, it's last week's news. I'm curious as to your opinion on Dame being named a top 75 player by the NBA. Do you think he's deserved to make it over certain other players who have more of a resume, players such as Dwight Howard, Trace McGrady, or Tony Parker? Here's my hot take. Damian Lord is not even the most egregious selection from his draft class included in the NBA's top 75. Let you do the research on that one. Next question comes from Edmund Dantes at underscore Lord underscore Wilmore on Twitter who asks, which blazer has an odd go-to food item they like? Okay. This is a little old, but it happened during the the COVID season, so no one was in the arena or whatever. But this answer I'm about to play you is an interview that uh, Brooke Olsendam did with Robert Covington, and Robert Covington explains his uh, his his go to pizza order that he gets back home in Tennessee, and it is okay. I'm just gonna play it. It's something. So first. We would like to know your pizza order. My pizza order? A lot of people wouldn't say agree with mine. Well, that's even better. I like chicken sausage, uh, mushroom, spinach, barbecue sauce, pineapple, and shrimp. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with the... (laughs) With the Rocco pizza order. I feel like we need to make a bigger deal about this. This slipped through the cracks because of a weird season. Uh, and you can find this on, I just searched getting to know Robert Covington. I knew about this video, so I was able to find it. But getting to know Robert Covington, um, uh, it's, it'll be the first, it's on the Trailblazers website. Um, shout out to the, shout out to the wonderful digital staff at the at Trailblazers Incorporated for uh, providing that video for me. Um, or the audio that you just heard for me. Um, yeah, more needs to be made of this. We need to talk more about Rocco's uh, bonkers pizza order. <laughs> Sausage and shrimp and pineapple and mushrooms and spinach and barbecue sauce and what? 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 What is what is that? What is that? Okay, that <laughs> everyone everyone make a bigger deal about what kind of weird pizza dude Robert Covington is. Great defend great defender, really started hitting his shots last week. Absolutely bonkers pizza order. Um, let's, let's make this a publicly known how bonkers this pizza order is. Final question of the show. We're having a little fun here to close the show. This one comes from Adam at Dame of Thrones on Twitter, who says, draft your top five NBA players past and current who have a last name with at least 10 letters in it. So this was, this was easier for me than some of the other challenges. Uh, some of you have sent me ones in the past, like th- that I like the classic one is the Michael draft where I forgot Michael Thompson, but Hey, it happens. Um, but, uh, it's. A couple of them were money. I knew I was going to go for them. Number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I knew I was going to go Giannis Antetokounmpo when I saw this question. It was just, who are the other four? And then I realized that number, the second one was incredibly easy. 
It's Wilt Chamberlain. Chamberlain is a long-ass last name. It was, it was money. Um, that's We're already a very good team with Giannis and Wilt. Uh, we're going to run, and we're going to be athletic. Shoosh. Um, so then the other ones, uh, we'll go to Lithuania for our two guards. Um, sh- shout out to Sarunas Yesikavishich. It might be Yesikavishich. It might be a softer, softer uh, sound at the end of his name, but yes, Kavishich is how I said it when I was younger. Um, Sarunas was was incredible, and then the other Sarunas, Sarunas Marshallonis, um, th- like one of the first big ballers to come over from Europe and, and play for the Warriors, like kind of started the. Um, for lack of a better word, like Euro migration into the NBA. He was, um, you know, I, I believe he's in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Probably should have looked that up before I said this on wax. But like um, both Sarunas's are, uh, first of all, I, I kind of knew they were 10 letter names. I wasn't 100% sure, but I kind of knew they were 10 letter names. So they were going to be in here. But um, shout out to uh, uh, shout out to the Balkans for giving us long letter names, including this, the last one, the fifth player on our team playing small forward. Pajic Stoyakovic, uh, Croatian sharpshooter. Um, Stoyakovic came to me while I was doing this. I didn't immediately think of him. I did think of a couple others, but then they ended up getting cut from the list. So those are my five. Sarunas Jesikavicic, Sarunas Marcellonis, Pajic Stoyakovic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Wilt Chamberlain. That's my starting five. But off the bench, we'll go Clarence Weatherspoon. He was a name that I immediately thought of because it's like, I bet Weatherspoon is 10, is 10 uh, letters. Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Rudy Tomjanovic, Matthew Delvadova, and Nikolaj Shkidisvili. Um... I didn't go hyphenated names. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I didn't know what to do with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, Abdul-Jabbar is his last name, but it's hyphenated one. I didn't know what to do with it. Other hyphenated names, like Michael, uh, Michael Carter-Williams. I, I, I decided to no, do no hyphenated names. So there's some other obvious, um, obviously long ones. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is incredibly long. Like uh, Shade uh, Gilgis-Alexander, incredibly long. But like, do those count? Um, so that's my list. If you have a 10-letter last name that I missed, a la Michael Thompson, email me, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Also, those are the two ways to get involved if you want to get involved in a future mailbag that is at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. We do this every week. So if you have a question, contact me there and I'll try to my best to get you in next week's show. Uh, Mailbag Monday is a ton of fun. Thank you all for uh, who participate either by listening or by sending in questions. Um, we got a packed rest of the week, though. The Blazers begin a, uh, a four-game roadie on Tuesday night in against the Clippers. I will have a recap after that one. Then Wednesday night in Phoenix, we'll have a recap after that one. So look for those in your feed, either ex- depending on how late you stay up, either extremely late. But uh, so those will be you know Wednesday and Thursday show. Um, look for the recaps of both of those games, and then Friday show. Jason Quick of the Athletic is going to join. Uh, we're going to talk about those first two games of the road trip. We'll talk about whatever the deal is with Neil Olshay by then. Um, fun show. Why not subscribe to it on YouTube? Just hit up YouTube right now. If you are listening, subscribe to it on YouTube. Um, if you've made it this far, you owe it to me. You just, sorry, those are the rules. If you're hearing my voice at this point, you're deep into the podcast and and you're like, I haven't subscribed. You're right. Do it now. Remedy that right now. Subscribe to the show on YouTube or just tell your friends they can get it. Or how about, and tell your friends they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search locked on blazers and we'll be right there waiting for you. Appreciate listening. Talk to you soon.